Hello, this is Terry Cheek. I want to thank you for choosing our broadcast, and my prayer is that it will be an encouragement to your walk with the Lord. Comments or questions can be directed to me via the link on our sermon audio page. Now, on to your selection. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1 this morning. This message kind of deviates from what I had originally planned, but this is part of my my personal study, my personal devotions this week. And as I studied it and as I got deeper into it, uh, the more the I was the impression was that this needed to be what I brought Sunday morning. That this needed that you needed to hear this. That there is a message in this for each one of you. For those sitting here this morning and for those that will be listening by broadcast later in the day. It is a a message of encouragement. It is a message of challenge. And it is a message of salvation. And I do believe that God has something in this message for each one of us today. And I believe He's got a powerful direction to be taking us from it. So, if you found it in your scripture, in your Bible, Ephesians chapter 1 beginning with verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from our God or from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. A very simple greeting to the people of Ephesus. And that's what it was. Paul was saying, hello, how are you? But he indicated and he know and he brought out some things that I believe are relevant in our life today, some things that I believe are necessary for you and I to hear and to understand, to know that he was first of all addressing the saints, the Christians. Now, do you, do you realize in the New Testament the word Christian is only found a couple of times? It is. The word saint or saints is found 60 times. Paul in particular loved to use the word saint or saints to describe Christians. Because he is, in that one word, he is describing what Christians are what they have become because of Jesus Christ. Not because they're some kind of special person, not because they've earned anything, and not because they have really achieved or given or sacrificed or any of that. No. It is because of Jesus. When we give our heart and our life to Jesus Christ and we ask Him to forgive us of our sin and He does so, He does so, we have been redeemed by His blood. We have been bought back. We've been purchased. The word redeemed is a word that actually goes back into the Roman Empire as a word of slavery. And that word of slavery, it dealt with poverty and with working class and with, uh, with everything of that nature. But what would happen if someone could not pay their bills 
and they owed something to someone, they would be enslaved as labor for that person. They would become labor on their farm or on their estate or doing something for them until they worked off this debt. Well, in the process, if they come up with enough money to pay the debt off, it was considered redeemed. And they would redeem themselves from that slavery. Well, when we are redeemed from our sin, our sin is something we can't pay for. We inherited a sin nature at birth. All of us did. It isn't something that a few got. It isn't something that belongs to somebody else. We all inherited a sin nature. We all have it in our heart and in our lives from the time we are born, from the time we are toddlers till the day that we die to do to make the wrong decisions, to do the wrong things. I love these precious children. I love them dearly. Even my, I've got grandchildren. I love them dearly. But have you ever noticed in bringing up children, you do not have to teach them to tell a lie? Have you ever noticed that? Did you take that cookie? No. Now that may be innocent enough, but it proves a point. You don't have to teach them to do that. They know by default. I told you not to do that. Why did you do it? Well, I don't know. <coughs> Innocent little examples, I know. But it illustrates a point. You don't have to teach them. They already know that. And as we become older, unless these things become checked inside of us, those problems get worse and they become much more pronounced as adults. They become matters of immorality. They become matters of, uh, of life and matters of death and matters of, of other things that are going on. And it happens because no one has to tell us or teach us. We learn that on our own. We, we have it naturally inside of us. So what does happen with redemption? All of that is bought and paid for. We still have the temptation to go there after we're saved. But we have something fresh inside of us. We have the Holy Spirit living and moving inside of us on a daily basis, telling us what we need to be doing and honestly and truthfully, we may not always understand why we need to make this right decision, but we know it is the right decision to make. And we step out and we do it by faith. Because we have that built inside of us after we are redeemed, after we are born again. That is what comes down to the word saint. I said all of that to give you a good clear picture and understanding of what Paul is calling a saint and why he is calling Christians saints. This morning, if you have been saved, if you remember a point in a time in your life when you ask Jesus into your heart, 
It may have been as a child in vacation Bible school. It may have been in a Sunday school class. It may have been in an altar at an altar call at a church under a pastor. It may have been a week ago. It may have been a decade ago. It may have been longer. It, it doesn't matter. You may not understand. You may not even remember the date. But you know beyond a shadow of a doubt there was a time in your life when you did turn yourself over to Christ and you did ask Him into your heart. You are a saint. Yes, preacher, but you don't really know. You don't really know what I've done between then and now. No, I don't. And I don't need to know. What you need to know is that your sins were covered under the blood of Christ. And they still are. Now that doesn't mean you don't have some that doesn't mean you don't have some repenting to do. God, I made a mistake. God, I made a bad decision. God, I know that I should have made this decision and I made this decision. And you may not even remember all of those things that you need to repent of. You just know that it needs to be done. And that's a simple thing to do. It's keeping your slate clean and keeping your, keeping your walk with God close. Because all of those things that happens in our lives that, uh, that are sin after salvation, you know what it does? It gets between us and God. It gets between us and God. And we can't walk as close to Him as He wants us to walk. This morning, God wants a close walk with you. He want, he, with each one of us, He wants a close walk. Especially if you're a saint, He wants a close walk. So now the question comes to you and to me today, what are we going to do about walking closer to God? There are some reasons that we need to do it. And we're going to get into those here in just a few minutes. But there are reasons that we need to be walking close to Him. Some very, very good reasons. Number one, it says that this was written to saints and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. We need to be walking close to God because it makes us faithful to Christ. Faithful. Faithful is one of those interesting words that we have misused a whole lot today. We seem to, in today's society, we seem to want to redefine words to meet certain situations or circumstances. And faithfulness is one of those words, or being faithful is one of those words that gets redefined. But when we're looking at being faithful, I want to share with you quickly. According to the New Oxford American Dictionary, faithful means remaining loyal 
and steadfast. So, when Paul says that he is writing to the faithful, he is writing to those Christians that are remaining loyal and steadfast to Christ. Two questions come out of that definition. Are we loyal? Are we loyal to Christ? I can't answer that for you. You can't answer that for me. But we can answer it for ourselves. Because God knows whether you're loyal and you know whether you're loyal. Loyal to Christ is not necessarily showing up to a worship service every Sunday morning. That's good. And we, we need to be doing this in order to be fed spiritually and to grow. But if we're going to be faithful to Christ and we're going to be loyal to Him, it happens Monday through Sunday or Sunday through Saturday or Tuesday through Monday or however you want to count your week. It is 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. You say, well, nobody can be, can be loyal like that. Well, you can be. Yes, it's possible. It means that you have to stay repentant. It means that you have to stay honest with yourself. You see, that's where faithfulness takes a U-turn in today's society. Today we have faithfulness all written off as how, how, how loyal we are to to just someone else. My faithfulness to my wife in today's society is looked at first of all as how loyal I am to her. But it begins somewhere else. It begins with me. Before it ever gets to her. It begins with me. How faithful, how loyal, how dedicated am I to me? That's the same way it is with Christ. Yes, we want to serve Him. Yes, we should want to walk close to Him. Yes, we should want to be in His presence. We should want to be faithful to Him all the way around. But it begins with us. He has already done everything that He is going to do. God has already done everything that He is going to do. And He has written it down in our Bible. In your Bible. It's a road map for us to follow. God says, I've already given you the way, the truth, and the life. It is through Jesus. No man comes into the Father except by Jesus. So now it comes back to me. Am I following Jesus? Am I saved and truly born again by Jesus? Am I redeemed by Jesus? If I am, am I faithful to Him? I know the truth. I know the honesty. I know the reality of it in my life and God does as well. So when we are looking at our faithfulness to Christ, we need to begin by looking inside of our own heart. We need to begin by looking inside of what I have done for or against Christ. What I have done to make this journey what it needs to be. Christ came. 
he lived three, three and a half some odd years. He was crucified. He resurrected. He walked this earth for 40 days. He ascended into heaven with the promise of sending a comforter. 40 days later, 50 days later, excuse me, on the day of Pentecost, He sent the Holy Spirit who came down and birthed the church and began the church. That's the work of Christ. In the process of all of that, we get to know Him by believing in Him, by giving our life to Him, and by being a follower and being faithful. It comes to us then. Christ is not doing any more except coming back. There will be a day and a time in the future when He will call His church up. And then there will be that tribulation time and then he will come back with his church to set up his earthly kingdom. And then there will be the thousand year reign of Christ on earth. And then there will be the rebellion that will come against him. And then there will be the judgment of those in that rebellion. The rest of it from the church age on, the rest of it is just fulfilling what is going to happen as a result of Christ's coming. He doesn't do any more. He can answer your prayers. He will answer your prayers. He can give you confidence. He can give you inspiration. He can give you encouragement. He can give you strength. But you have to come to Him. You have to be faithful. You have to be loyal to Him. Not only do you have to be loyal to Him, you have to be steadfast. Steadfast is unmovable. With loyalty comes dedication. Are you dedicated to Christ? Are you dedicated to your walk with Christ? That's something we all need to get really serious about and really think about this. Am I really dedicated? Am I steadfast in my life? Is my faithfulness, does it have that exclamation point of being steadfast? Now we all have those times when we get up in the morning and we're hurting, we're tired, we're feeling bad, we just don't feel like we're a Christian. Because we are people and people live off of emotions. We are very emotional beings. All of us are. Men and women alike. But in the end, all emotions aside, in the end, at the end of the day, can we look back across the day and say that I've been steadfast for Christ? I've been unmovable. My life, my day has went about to be a witness and to be a testimony of Christ. 
If we're going to be steadfast, that needs to be where our dedication lies. If we're going to be faithful, that needs to be the exclamation point, the anchor of it. Is that when we get up in the morning, our goal is to be a testimony of Christ. Of what He's done in my life. You can memorize Bible. And you can quote it, chapter and verse. And fine, if you can do that, do that. There's nothing wrong with it. But at the end, when it's all said and done, what is going to make a lasting impression on other people is not how much of the Bible you can quote, but how much of the Bible you live daily. How much do other people see in my life? How much do they see? That should be a question that we all ask ourselves soberly. Do, do others see Jesus in my life enough to know that I am a born again Christian without me having to tell them? Without me having to tell them, can they find that out on their own? That comes down to faithfulness. The faithful people will have that testimony. Those of us who are moving forward in our walk with Christ, maybe we're not there yet, but we can get there. We can get there each day. We can move a little bit closer. Each day we can get that testimony one day stronger than it was the day before. And you know what? Without even thinking about it, without even planning it, one day you're going to be there. One day you're going to be there and someone is going to come up to you and someone is going to say, I know you're a sister in Christ. What church do you go to? And you're not going to have the foggiest idea how they got that information, but it is a testimony of a life lived in faithfulness. That's how they got it. And at that point, you can look back and you can say, wow, I'm doing something right. That's encouragement to move on the next day. Not to stop and not to rest in it, but to take the next step. The next day is, wow, I've came. I've made it this far. I can do this. I can live faithfully for Christ. Doesn't mean you won't make mistakes, but it means that you will be more sensitive to those mistakes. And you'll be more eager to repent of those mistakes and make them right because then you realize other people are seeing Christ in you. And it makes a difference in the world that's around you. It makes a difference in the lives of other people. And there's nothing more fulfilling as a Christian than to know that you're making a difference in the lives of people that are around you. 
And that's not something you learn in seminary. That's not something you learn in Sunday school. That's not something you learn sitting under preaching and teaching. It is something that you learn by putting your faith into practice with a daily walk. You learn how to put your faith into practice by following others. You learn that by reading your Bible. You learn that by your Sunday schools and by your preaching and those things. It comes down to you personally taking responsibility and saying, I'm going to be one of the faithful. I'm going to be steadfast in Christ. I'm going to be counted among that group. Well, what happens where I am? Verse 2, Paul says, Grace be to you. Grace. What is grace? What does it look like? What does it feel like? We, we talk about grace. We preach about grace. We teach grace. We sing about grace. That great old hymn, Amazing Grace. What does it look like? What does it feel like? How do I know if I'm experiencing grace? How do I know it's personal? How do I know when it involves me? Well, first of all, grace is being pardoned. When you come to Jesus and you ask Him to save you and forgive your sin, you ask Him to redeem you. You ask Him for that new birth through Him. You're asking Jesus for a pardon. Because all that stuff I talked about earlier, about the things that nobody has to teach us how to do, the sin nature, it is a death penalty. The sin nature is a death sentence. A death sentence that we cannot get any relief from. Apart from Christ. When Christ gives us that new birth, He pardons us from that death sentence. There are people that are sitting in prison right now who are reaching out to the governors, asking them to pardon them from death row. Asking them to pardon them from a life sentence. Asking them for a pardon for many different things. And the governors have the power to do that in our justice system. But spiritually speaking, the only one that has the authority to pardon us from eternal death is Jesus Christ. How do I know what grace feels like? I've been pardoned. I've been pardoned. If you know you've been saved this morning, you know then that you have been pardoned from a death sentence of eternal death and damnation and you have been given eternal life 
through Jesus Christ. You have been pardoned from that death sentence. So you know what that part of grace feels like. Eternal life is grace. We are pardoned from the death sentence of hell and damnation and we are given a life sentence of abundant life through Jesus Christ. That is grace. Not only is He taking us out of the pits of hell, but He is placing us in heaven on the streets of gold. He is placing us in His presence for eternity. Not because we deserved it, not because we earned it, not because we've done or said anything, but just because He is Jesus. And God's grace was bestowed upon us and our souls were saved. That's what grace feels like. And that's what grace looks like. And that's how it affects our lives and what it does in our lives. Also, grace is the influence of the Holy Spirit. When you were saved, if I'm speaking to a saved person this morning, when you are saved, the Holy Spirit indwells you. There is no sin. The sin nature is still there, but the sin has been forgiven. And the sin nature, uh, it goes and the, and the Holy Spirit indwells you at that point. You have that Holy Spirit working in your life daily. During the course of this message this morning, the Holy Spirit has been working in some of your lives and in some of your hearts, bringing these things up to help you deal with them. Bringing the faithfulness up. Bringing the sainthood up. Bringing up this grace so that you can deal with it. Why does God want you to deal with it? Because He loves you. He loves you enough to he, where He saved you. He sent Christ to the cross to die for you. He loved you enough to do that. Now He's loving you enough to say, come deal with this stuff. That's grace. How do you know what grace looks like in your life? Those three indicators. Uh, well, they're not all of them, but those are the three categories of indicators that will be in your life that you will know grace is present and grace is moving and grace is powerful. Paul told the Ephesians, grace be to you. Personal. Individual. You don't have to go through anybody else. You don't have to have anybody's approval. The government doesn't have to sign you up for it. The pastor doesn't have to put you in a group somewhere. It's not something that's done through small groups. It's one-on-one -on -one between you and Jesus. And if you know Him as your Lord and Savior, you've been pardoned, you have eternal life, and you have the Holy Spirit. And God is saying this morning, 
how he wants you to deal with it in your walk, in your personal life. One more thing. Paul says, grace be to you and peace. Peace. If I, if I was to say there is an exclamation point to this message, it would be peace. Everything that has been covered up until this point all comes back to peace. Peace is that feeling that you have down inside of you when the doctor brings you bad news. When there's more month than there is money. When you have those family problems that you just don't really know what to do. Peace is that little part down inside of your soul that says everything's going to be alright. Everything's going to be alright. God says, I know the end. I know the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. I know tomorrow before it ever gets here. Now we may have to go through some valleys before we ever see the peace that God knows is at the end. I'm not going to say it's all pie in the sky. And I'm not going to say it's all health and wealth. Because the Bible teaches different. There isn't a person, a character that is in the Bible if you study them honestly and truthfully, there isn't a person in there that did not go through some really, really serious stuff. To the point of having to lay down their lives, some of them. Stephen, a young man in the Jerusalem church, believed to be in his early 20s, just saved, on fire for God, preaching. He became a deacon. He was a preaching deacon in the city of Jerusalem. And in the course of his preaching, the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin came against him. And they drove him out of the city and into outside the gates of the city. And there was the, there was the Pharisee Saul, better known as Paul, before he was saved, and he took the coats of the Pharisees, they took off their coats and they handed them to Saul, Paul. And those religious leaders stoned Stephen to death, the power of Jesus. You want to see a picture of peace? The last words that came out of Stephen's mouth was, Do not him. Don't hold it against them, God. 
Stephen had peace in his heart that even though he was dying for something he believed in, God would learn and God had his heart and he knew that everything was going to be alright. When Moses was leading Israel, leading the children out of Egypt, he got to the Red Sea. Here was the Red Sea in front of him. About two million people following him. And behind them was the Egyptian army closing in. Nowhere to go. They couldn't just surrender because the Egyptian army was coming to kill them. It was beyond, it was beyond giving up. So, God told Moses, you get your people ready. I'm going to go hold up Egypt. And he put a pillar, a cloud of pillar back there in the road and he stopped Egypt. Moses told, he got Israel all ready to go. And then God told him, take your staff and touch the water. And when he did, the water parted and there was dry land for him to walk on. Now, I'm still at a point in my life where I'm not sure where the miracle was. Was it the parting of the water or was it the fact that when it parted, there was dry land under it? Because if you've ever saw anywhere where a river has ran its banks, flash flooding or anything, it takes days for the mud to dry up. It takes days for all of that to dry up where you can walk on it. You step in it and you'll mow it to your ankles or farther. Moses did not know what to do, but he didn't lose it. He knew deep down inside that everything's going to be alright. That's peace. That's the peace that Paul was talking to the Ephesians about having, about their daily life and their walk with God through Jesus Christ. It comes through grace. It comes through being faithful to Christ. It, it comes through being a saint. You can't get to that level of peace unless you have all of those other things. You've got to start with your sainthood. And you build upon that your faithfulness. And from that faithfulness, grace is realized and understood. And then when grace is realized and understood in our life and in our walk with the Lord, we find that peace. We find it. So this morning, with you individually, the first and most important question, do you know you are saved? Do you know there was a point in time in your life that you asked Christ into your life to redeem you, to save you, to move in your life? Your, your answer to that question can only be yes or no. 
if you're thinking right now, well, maybe, I'm not sure, kind of, sort of, somewhat, maybe, then the answer is no, and you need to nail that thing down and make sure. You need to know. If you do know this morning, then the other questions that we've covered, the other points that we've covered in this message, come back to you. Come back to you in your heart, in your personal life. How are you dealing with them? How are you dealing with being faithful? How are you dealing with grace? How are you dealing with peace? How are you letting it work in your life? I want to encourage you to really think about these things because we can go through life and we can be so emotional about things that are coming up and so emotional about bad news and so emotional about family tragedies and difficulties and things of that nature that we lose sight of the peace of Christ in these things. And that doesn't mean we're not going to have things to deal with. But it means that we can deal with them better. We can deal with them more realistically. We can deal with them genuinely. If we have Christ in our life. So this morning as I close, how close are you walking with Christ? How deeply is he embedded in your life? How loyal are you to him? How do these things fit in your life and your walk with him? You know how they need to be addressed. I firmly believe the Holy Spirit has already addressed that in every life here today. So now it becomes, will you? Will you deal with them the way God is wanting you to deal with them for the rest of your life? Because these decisions are just that important. They affect not only the rest of your life, but they affect the rest of the lives of people that you're going to be in contact with every day. Because they will either see Jesus in you and through you, or they won't. And that's much more important than what any of us have really came to realize and really came to grasp and see. But I hope this morning all of us, all of us can see that clearer and can walk closer with the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to share it. Thank you for these ladies opening up their home. Heavenly Father, may your word accomplish that which you've purposed it to do. Lord, may it not return into your void. And Lord, may it touch every heart and every life. Draw us closer to you through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, if there's one here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, may they come to know you. Before we leave, before it's eternally too late. Heavenly Father, the rest of us, may we learn to walk faithful in our walk with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.